Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Batass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name's Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? Good, man. I uh, I just did a deep dive into uh, the history of the mullet. And, oh, excellent. Uh, <laughs> trying to define exactly what a mullet is. It's, it's funny. It changes slightly. But what I, what I was trying to discover was, did they consciously try to give want Nightwing to have a mullet as some kind of retro throwback? Or did they give him long hair and think, eh, it's kind of boring on top. Let's just make it spiky up there, which made it look like a mullet. Ooh, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that possibility. Yeah. Well, I didn't find many answers, but I still think that there's, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that in mind, the two episodes we're going to be doing today are uh, Double Talk and You Scratch My Back. So we'll take a quick break and we'll, we'll, we will start off with a Double Talk. Double Talk, written by Robert Goodman, directed by Kurt Gaeta. In this one, Arnold Wesker is released from Arkham Asylum, completely free of his Scarface persona. But Scarface old gang, needing their old boss back, begin working to drive Wesker back to his old ways. Um, We start off with a uh, classic Batman the Animated Series dream sequence. Yeah, which I like actually a clock, like I, a clock king type of sequence, right? Yeah, I actually really <laughs> liked the dream sequence because it specifically was not a Batman dream sequence. <laughs> yeah, and they seem to do those a lot, and they're always kind of the same thing. Yeah, um, the pearls, the gun, the yeah. alley, a screaming child. And what this does actually is it sets up the episode pretty well, which is about the ventriloquist, sort of. Um, in a hangover from from season three in, in the villain reformation episodes, this is about the ventriloquist mm. freeing himself from his split persona Scarface. Mm. And yeah. uh, oh, I really liked this episode. I thought this was uh, really well done. This one probably had the most heart that that we've we've kind of said has been missing from this series so far. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done. It gets a little bit kind of weird and convoluted about how they're exactly going about tricking him into Scarface being back involving <laughs> like a hired little person voiced by Billy Barty. And... <laughs> yeah, for two uh, meatheads who claim that they are not that smart and need their boss back to, 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 to pull off some valuable crime, they're pretty good at uh, audio systems or radio frequency, yeah. uh, bait and switch, casting. <laughs> it was It was a fairly elaborate um plan and also they also in doing that plan recognized that uh scarface and the ventriloquist were part of a a delusion of the ventriloquist which mm-hmm. i don't know those guys seem pretty pretty meatheadish as you said so i don't know if they would necessarily put that together yeah. that they could attack him mentally right but, uh yeah but overall as a story <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was great and i think my favorite thing in it is actually batman because they show a side of Batman that I don't think people tap into enough, which is that he is actually 
being very supportive of uh, Wesker and his entrance back into the real world mm. by yeah. uh, Wayne Wayne Tech or, his, or Wayne Enterprises is giving him a job mm-hmm. and Batman keeps kind of checking in on him and stuff. And I think yeah. the, the people who criticize Batman for just beating up mentally challenged people, I forget <laughs> about stuff like this where they yeah. show Batman being more than just, you know, a punch machine. I, I think this is the third time where you've had Bruce Wayne, his company is hired accidentally or purposefully or uh, with someone that turns into a super criminal. Mm-hmm. It, with uh, Jervis Tetch, Mad Hatter, I think that was a Wayne company. Um, I think he also owned the company that uh, the Riddler started at, mm-hmm. right? And then, uh, yeah, now we have um, the guy, the vin- uh, sorry, the ventriloquist uh, handing out mail to people right. in the uh, in the office. Well, and I always like Bruce Wayne checking in on them and showing like a warm hand. It is interesting that he's able to show warmth and more. He's more human when he's not dressed as a bat, which I know sounds fucking obvious, <laughs> but you forget that he has this warm side, but of course he's probably not going to feel, he's not going to be in the mood to be warm when he's dressed as Batman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The entire concept of Batman is not exactly warm. <laughs> <What? laughs> um, that cape was made to be hugged. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think showing him actually kind of shepherd it like it's it's different from the way that he approached they approached uh, Poison Ivy in that episode where he's yeah. spying on her waiting for her to snap again. This, hey, yeah, <laughs> this one he's actually like shepherding the the Reformation. Maybe he learned his lesson from being a dick to Poison yeah. Ivy last time. It's funny because in the next one with Catwoman, he's certainly not he's not he's not going to change his mind on the fact that Catwoman's a villain. Like he certainly. Right. He seems pretty immobile on that. Yeah. Well, she doesn't but give him. She about. doesn't give him much reason to change his mind. But no, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the animation on. Um, I like the redesign of the uh, Mad Hatter. Sorry, Mad Hatter. The uh, Scarface mm-hmm. and uh, the Ventriloquist too. I like that he's got like these simple dot eyes, and he looks like a his head is shaped like a big eraser. I was thinking uh, he looks like. Do you, Do you remember the? The character, the comic character, the flaming carrot. Yeah. And he yeah. was just like, he had the big wide end of the carrot as like the top of yep. his head. That's kind of what he looks yeah. like. He looks like the wide end of a carrot with like yep. a couple little pieces Yep, that was Bob Burton who did that. And then he did uh, Mystery Men. Oh, did he? No kidding. I didn't know that. Yep. And then he blew all his money on drugs and strippers, I think. Excellent. That's the way to go. That's yep. what we're all aiming for in the comic business. <laughs> well, you know... If you, comics is a really it's not a career where you're guaranteed to make a lot of money so when success hits you it's like you really don't know what to do with that right it's like when you watch documentaries on basketball players who suddenly are millionaires and they end up getting taken advantage of investing with the wrong people i think with comics that's pretty ubiquitous well when it happens in comics it, it's it usually goes bad yeah yeah it's unfortunate but you know hey yeah those action figures ain't gonna buy themselves man <laughs> I mean, it's rare when you're like, you know, this comic book creator made a, made a fortune overnight and uh, generally kept his head on straight yeah. and uh, didn't let it go to his head. Just bought one fancy car, but not too much. He didn't do any drugs, not into strippers. And uh, yeah, he's living his, with his wife outside of Kansas City right now. Yeah, you know? most it's, most people, I think, who end up millionaires overnight don't handle it very well, regardless of profession. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I always, because I'm in this culture, I tend to think of creative people as, you know, with only one foot in reality already so for me it's just <laughs> i just feel like it's countdown to 
you know, this goes really badly for them, but uh, maybe I'm just a cynic. Yeah, well, I, I, for one, look forward to having enough money to develop a cripple, crippling Fabergé egg habit. So, Yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting about the uh, Ninja Turtles guys is uh, they managed to stay very grounded. I think one guy still has the same pocket protector that he's been oh, no wearing all yeah. these years. Like this, I'm not even joking. Um, Didn't Kevin Eastman buy a tank? Okay, well, then the other one went, <laughs> went crazy and started buying a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> he bought a tank. He bought... Uh, all of his friends in the studio. So the studio. Sorry, I know we're getting off topic, um, but I know one of the guys who helped him uh, develop Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. They had a studio, and he hired five of his friends to do all the uh, box art and package artwork for all the action figures back in the late '80s. Um, and he paid them pretty well, and he bought them gifts all the time. Uh, my f- friend, he bought like a rare motorcycle that I've never seen outside of a museum. Wow. This is like a, a hot pink Honda that they only made a handful of and he has one in his garage. And, and like, it's crazy. Like the the stories are, these guys are extremely generous. Um, but with that, yeah, they also bought tanks and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you got to have some fun. You know, if you got, if you got buy tank money and you don't buy a tank, <laughs> the only person who looks like a fool there is you. So, yeah. I mean, when they when you go to the tank store and they're like, "So, what are you looking to blow up?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, back to back to the uh, the episode. To, no tank yeah. in the episode, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah. Over overall, I I, I like uh, the design of Scarface. I like his redesign. Not not messing with it too much with the puppet. The puppet's more or less the same. It's just a little bit blockier. Did he have a unibrow before? Uh, I honestly don't remember. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, ventriloquist is a bit more of a drastic redesign. But yeah, I like that. He's very, he looks very meek and fragile. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought this is. I was not expecting an episode this good from Scarface and the ventriloquist. Yeah. Because yeah. I like the character, but the the gimmick yeah. is kind of the gimmick. Um, right. And they found a really nice way to do a reformation story. This is this the f- this might be the first villain reformation story that actually works, because at the end yeah. of the story, you've got this great moment where uh, the ventriloquist is is placed between Scarface and Batman, and he's got a Tommy gun, and mm-hmm. he chooses to shoot Scarface and and f- finally rid himself of yeah. Scarface. This is kind of like the happy ending for Scarface. For sorry, not for him. For the ventriloquist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we've had. I don't think there's any more Scarface episodes uh, in this season. But I, this might be the finale for him in a way. You know, and I think it's a good ending. Yeah, I do too. It reminded me a little bit of. Uh, well, it, it it made me think of. Uh, I think I, I've probably brought this up the first Scarface episode, but my first introduction to Scarface in the comics mm-hmm. was through the nightfall story with the puppet yes and in that one yeah and in that one the i believe he either he's he's just broken out of arkham asylum so he doesn't have access to the scarface puppet so he's got a sock puppet and uh that's i was i was just thinking of that where i was like well you know this is gonna take until it doesn't and then he's gonna have a sock (laughs) puppet and he's gonna start building his crime empire on the back what what did he call the sock puppet i don't remember i probably socko or something I think you're right. I think it was Socko. Yeah. I don't think it was Sockface. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> um, as a child, maybe, he had Sockface. And then as he got to an adult, he could afford more dangerous wood-shaped objects. Sock that, man. You know, 
soccer. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I really like the character of Rhino uh, as the big henchman that's like way bigger than Batman. Mm-hmm. I noticed in this episode, though, he's slimmed down a bit till Batman's just a little bit shorter than him. Yeah, yeah. But I thought they did a good job because Batman pummels the fuck out of this guy with, with punches and whatnot at the beginning. And the guy doesn't really go down. So I think they still show him as being, you know, pretty solid. And I love how Batman does the back fist without looking twice yes. to the guy, yes. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> Do it till it doesn't work, I guess. When, yeah, when did the fist without looking thing start? Was that in 89? Uh, That's the first time I've ever seen it, yeah. Okay. So Adam West didn't do it. I mean, you you kind of need to see it in, with motion. You can't really do that in a comic as well. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't think Adam West ever did that. Um, I always thought that scene in the '89 Batman was funny because, like, what if he what if he turned around and he had done it to like Commissioner Gordon by accident? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, that that'd be a good like P and Keel sketch that uh, I that they didn't make. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I uh, you know I thought the, that fight scene animation was good. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like this one as a change up from the the other kind of re- reform episodes because Batman isn't being a cynic about it. He mm-hmm. is a- actively rooting for um, for Wesker, and he's not like because uh, because I, I you could see this easily going the other way where he's keeping tabs on him. Batman's keeping tabs yeah. on him, and he's seeing what's happening, and he's going, "Oh, okay, he's slipping yeah. back into the Scarface thing. I got to take him down." But he doesn't. He, he right. has he has more compassion than that. Um, I agree that I really like this episode. But if you had to make it a five out of five, what would you add to it? Um, um I, I, I don't know. I think you're right that I need to know. I would like a little bit of how they were able to uh, put the speaker in his house. Like, show me the bad guys at least. Their, their efforts to try to rewin Star, Scarface over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- that, like you just assume that they did all that stuff, but you don't actually see how they did it. Yeah, they don't even really admit to it, I don't think, do they? No. That was what was, that was, what was a little weak to me, was they didn't deny it, but it was obviously them, and you're just expected to just believe it, and the story moves forward. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Um, maybe maybe spend a little bit more time with I you know I think what what might push it a little bit further is if someone like uh usually it would be Robin but I guess in this case mm-hmm. it would be Batgirl was actually more more uh suspicious and doubtful of the ventriloquist mm-hmm. and Batman a- actually has to uh maintain his faith in this guy that he's going to uh pull it through and that someone's trying to someone's trying to pull one over on him yeah um i think you could probably get into that stuff a little bit more um, yeah what about you yeah i would yeah i would fix that um i don't know what else i would do uh i agree this is like a four for me mm-hmm. uh, i don't know I mean, it's so tight i mean it's not really too much wrong with it but i don't know why it's not a five yeah, I think uh, it, it feels a little truncated at the end in, in the way yeah. that some of the other ones have felt too, where it's like kind of the story's over and then the story's just over. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, you're right. Because you've get he shoots up Scarface, and then the next scene he's like having coffee with his tiny tiny <laughs> landlady, and then he's like, "Yep, <laughs> that's crazy. No more Scarface. End of episode." So, so why was I like that? There's two uh, little people in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why they decided to make the landlady a little person as well. Yeah, it's an odd choice, only because it it feels like there must there must have been some sort it feels like an an early draft red herring or something that they right. just never I changed thought, because at for first i'm like that landlady isn't running around with a machine gun shooting a batman is she <laughs> right well <laughs> you actually know? you know what you could do if you wanted to if you wanted to flesh it out a little bit more um you could always I- imply there's some sort of romantic relationship brewing between him and the landlady so then when you lean into the Scarface mm. stuff, it's like, oh, no, is she just pulling one over on him? Well, he has to have a piece of his body inside of a tiny person one way or the other. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, come on. You weren't thinking that? <laughs> I I could very safely say that I was not thinking that. <laughs> oh, maybe they added her in because the only tiny, sorry, is a little person or tiny person. I think you're well past the line at this point either way, so okay. say whatever you want. But uh, they have uh, one little person in there as a bad guy. Maybe they didn't want to just cast type like to suggest all little people are bad, so they wanted to throw a good one in there too to show both sides. Like Maybe it was like an early attempt to be woke and not to get canceled for uh, <laughs> for improperly handling little people. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I, don't, I, I really tried to say that as politically correct as I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, him having sex with the landlady is—is is, I, I knew what I was doing there. But mm-hmm. the, the rest of that, I was really on the up and up. Yeah, I bet. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's because yeah, you obviously can't see those that character without thinking of some parallel to Scarface. Mm-hmm. Um. Whether or not that's great, I don't know. But it seems like it's that's the reason that those characters are in there. Obviously, because one of them is is pretending to be Scarface. But yeah, yeah. it is it is an interesting ad. Um, I think you could have done more with that landlady character if you had a little bit more time um, to to yeah. expand on their relationship. Because because she's only in that one scene, and then at the end right. they're. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pal- palling around having having coffee or whatever, and it's not like. The two of them have gone through this thing together. Yeah. She kind of disappears after that first scene, and then she's just there at right. the end. Yeah, it's like yeah, maybe we, he likes he wants to date a spinner. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so what would I draw? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. this will be the last episode <laughs> of this show. Um, so you're going to go four out of five on this one? Yeah. What would what would you draw on this one? Um. You know, nothing really stood out to me. Uh, there was a scene where uh, I don't like dream sequence stuff. I don't know if I've said that before, but uh, mm-hmm. the big things I don't like drawing in comics are dream sequences, magic, magic power type shit, and uh, people playing poker. I like the three things that I mm-hmm. just hate doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that would the dream sequence. I thought it was a good dream sequence, but I just I don't want to draw that. So maybe that'll be my answer for this one. It'll be what don't I want to draw. <laughs> You know, there was uh, a couple shots. I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there was a, a shot where he's asleep in bed and he wakes up and the, he's looking at the phone or something. It was a lot of dark shadows and um, 
They did a good job. You know when you have a darkened room in a noir movie, you have uh, the blinders and the window casting strange shadows everywhere? Mm-hmm. So you have this like this, these prison lines, sort of, they can kind of go anywhere you want, honestly. Right. Uh, I notice in comics when it's done the most successfully, you sort of throw physics out the window, and you just draw these... Um, stripy lines of the window anywhere you want yeah at a diagonal cast against the door whatever against a chair it's really effective and it doesn't have to make logical sense and uh i, I always have a fun time with that so maybe i would draw that yeah as, lame as that answer is i've i i remember i i was drawing a se- <clears throat> uh, a, a sequence like that once and i was i was really trying to stick to the physics of it being like okay uh-huh. so if the window's over here then these yeah. things are going <laughs> to cast onto the floor shit i want them to cast onto the wall not the floor and at a certain point, I was just like, I don't give a shit. Just put them where you want yeah. them. Nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, to have a diagonal, to, to take the shape of those blinders against the wall, to have those be at a diagonal, I think the window would have to be at a diagonal, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, you'd have to Mr. Wizard some experiments, whatever. But uh, I feel like it's just most effective when you just say, fuck it. This is what's going to look good. Everyone knows that these. this is the shadow from the window. Right. Let's just have some fun. Yeah. There's a uh, um, God. I I can't remember what the hell it's from, but there's a a Jim Steranko drawing where it's someone coming in. It's a big double page spread, I think, of someone coming in through a door with a flashlight shining into the room, mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic black and white drawing, really great shadows and stuff. And then I was looking at it and I was like, this lighting doesn't make any sense. He he's just going for the graphic impact. He's not paying attention to like what actually the light would be doing in this situation. And it was yeah. one of those things where it's like, I don't care because it just looks great. There's no, I don't think it would have yeah. been improved if he had done it correctly, you know? Right, yeah. All right, so you can get diagonal lines. Forget what I said before. <laughs> I'm looking at some other stuff here, yeah. I'm also looking up your uh, Stranko to see if I can find it. And uh, I see a lot of good Stranko. I don't see that panel. I'll see, I'll see if I can find it at some point, uh, and I'll send yeah. it over. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a fine line in, in art or in comics art between mm-hmm. uh, how closely you have to stick to reality, even if you're drawing yeah. something that is supposed to be realistic. Because right. there's a, a, I forget who said it, but there's a, when it comes to perspective, um, the right. saying is if it yeah. looks right it probably is yeah and yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny i i'm a perspective nerd um as as loose as my stuff is i just really focus a lot on the math of um laying things out mm-hmm. measuring things properly like i maybe some people are surprised to know because my stuff can be get really loose that my perspective is actually pretty tight and planned um then i have my shortcuts and tricks that i use which i've taught you and you know anyone who will listen honestly um (laughs) but yeah when i see a pan like i can usually spot incorrect perspective faster than most artists it's Mm -hmm. just been kind of my my jam uh i don't like that i'm like this but it's just who i am (laughs) and the one thing that gets me the most is uh ellipses drawn incorrectly Sure, sure and um yeah if uh They'll, if you draw a really nice background, but the characters are um, a character of way off in the distance is on the same plane as a character close to the camera, I'll know immediately if you measured correctly. Because sometimes if you uh, put them back to back, you'll realize that one of them is way off. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah. yeah, I mean, comics isn't really about perspective. It's about storytelling and clarity. So I don't think perspective is that important. Well, it's not as important to most artists as it is to me. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I think it, it varies style to style. Because I think it's uh, it's important. Like I said, it's important that it looks solid. Yeah. Um, and, and doesn't uh, uncanny valley its way out of being a believable image. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have a, a thumbnail sketch you do for a splash or a cover or even a panel? Where your stupid little quick sketch, where you're barely barely paying attention, you manage to catch something. Mm-hmm. You, you caught a movement or an angle or an arc, and no matter how much you try to transfer it to the actual board mm-hmm. that's bigger, you just can't seem like, what the fuck did I do in this tiny sketch that's working so well? And one of the things that will disrupt that for me is if I have this great layout I did in a thumbnail, but when I try to apply real perspective to it, it, it falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. No, I, I know like that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like the top of the building looks good up there, but it literally can't be there if the bottom of the street looks like this. Right. When you add the, when you match them up, the perspective doesn't make any sense at all. So something's got to give here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I, I, I've had I've had plenty of those where I, you do a quick quick sketch and you're like, yeah, this is really going to work, and then you put it down on the page and you're like, I don't know what happened, but this just did not work. <laughs> I uh, I was doing this um this piece for a. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween art book that is mm-hmm. I don't know when it's supposed to come out. It's not supposed to come out for a while. I actually don't even know if my my piece got accepted, but um right. I I had planned this piece that I wanted to do based off this old painting that I did. Um and it's this it's this low shot of a hallway with in this version it would have been Michael Myers walking down the hallway. There's a light coming up from the floor below. Cast, mm. casting through the banister which throws those uh diagonal lines up onto the wall and like yeah. just lights michael myers a little bit by like the uh his face his turned head and like the the edge of his body and then on the other side you see a doorway and in it's the doorway to a bedroom inside the bedroom you can see laurie strode on the bed like covering her mouth trying to stay quiet mm. <clears throat> and i did yeah. this sketch and everything worked in the sketch i was like mm-hmm. oh this looks great okay this is gonna work and then I actually tried to map it out and like do a tighter version and apply the perspective of the hallway that he's in versus where yeah. the door would fall compared to where he was and where she would be inside this room and where the light would come. Yeah. And it just completely fell apart. I think I did like four or five <laughs> different versions of it and I just could not get it to work. And so yeah. finally I had to just, I did ended up doing something else. It was a bummer because it was a concept that I really liked. Yeah. But it just, I couldn't get it to work. Yeah. It's fun. And the more you focus and obsess about this, this, the more risk you run of it getting stale Mm -hmm. and overthinking it. Like Bill Sankavich is able to pull off some stuff like that where it still feels fresh and spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And you wonder how much planning did he actually do? Because I don't know about you, but if I plan too much, it starts to tip over where it stops being interesting. Yeah. It starts the drawing itself doesn't look as interesting. Like there's a fine line between spontane spontaneity, messiness, and organization somewhere in there, and you want to kind of hit the sweet spot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I got I got into the weeds of like, well, the perspective yeah. on the figure doesn't look. What if I put like a busted up pumpkin in the foreground? Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. If I want <laughs> that that old trick. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I would say so, so I can't so I cover his feet so you can't see exactly where he's standing. But then I was like, shit. 
how big of a pumpkin is this going to be? If I because this is a really low shot, so it's going to have to be really close to the camera. This pumpkin's yeah. going to take up like a third of the painting. Uh, you know, it, was, it just it just <laughs> couldn't get it to work. It was it was a, it was really a bummer. Yeah, that's funny. Well, uh, do you ever uh, if you're drawing a panel of a, a you got a really intensive two point perspective background of a, a city street, mm-hmm. and then you draw a guy or, or a character in the foreground, and they both look really good, but suddenly you realize that it's not lining up. You either have to erase the guy and redraw him, or you need to erase the background and redraw that. Right. What do you do? I would. I would. Oh, I. I feel like <laughs> most of the time I would redraw the guy because yeah. I hate. I hate laying out perspective so much that if I got that right, I would not touch it if I didn't have to. Yeah, and if you do redraw a background, you have got a lot of erasing, yeah. a lot of smudging, and it's gonna. You're you're in for a mess. And maybe you can salvage it. Maybe it'll it'll be okay. But it's just a, a large commitment to right. go back and redo perspective lines. Right. Right. Yeah. This is where being a digital artist makes sense to me, uh, is not only are you using a program to lay out your grid anyway, which is cheating, cough, cough. Uh, hey, but that's what I you do. Realize, I, I'll ch- I, but, anybody wants to cheat that way, more power to you. <laughs> well, like uh, Manga Studio, doesn't it just lay out grid lines for you? You just have to move the uh, vanishing points. Uh, yeah, you set up, you, can, you still have to pick a horizon line and you pick your vanishing points and stuff. But yeah, it makes yeah. the grid for you, yeah. But our, our friend Corinne does this, and like she inks, and it it locks her lines onto the grid mm-hmm. for you. Like even if you try to screw up, it's still going to lock your inking to the Z axis or whatever axis you're inking, and it's amazing. But and it's all 100% correct. But it's so correct that it's I think I mean she does it well. But I've seen other part artists do it where it feels so correct that it feels stale, and I feel like I'm looking at a computer drawing and not right. like an organic drawing by a human. Yeah, yeah. What I do is I I do the uh, perspective work digitally, um, and then I but then I do the finish on paper. So if it if I do yeah. it if I lay it out and it doesn't work when I put it on the page, then I have to redo it again on the page. So I try to do. Yeah. It's just because yeah, you you end up erasing so much. And then yeah. you, your lines end up getting mixed up as to what goes to where. Like that's why yeah. I I have so much respect for uh, someone like Walt Simonson, who is just he's a master comic book artist. And but the number of lines he has on a page is like incomprehensible to me, as how he puts down so many lines and keeps track of what they do, where they go. What yeah. what they're all for the different thicknesses and stuff and this isn't just perspective mm-hmm. this is like you know yeah, special rendering, yeah rendering the, special yeah. effects lines and shit like that it's just it's unbelievable yeah. I don't know how I just don't have the mental capacity to keep track of all that stuff yeah yeah I uh someone because I, I I'm happy to try to teach artists perspective and tricks all the time um and it usually doesn't work. Most of the artists will listen and they'll get it in the moment, but they're not able to to go to repeat it afterwards. And I don't know if I'm teaching wrong or if one of my students, Steve-O, mm. you know him, uh, Stephen Green is a friend of ours. And he said to me once, he's like, I, I think it's nice that you're trying to help artists be better perspective, but I just think your brain is wired in a way that's just different. <laughs> like you have a very good 3D rendering system in your head. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. And I'm, you know, flattered and it's a, it's a compliment, of course, but, uh, I think about what he said a lot, and as I try to teach people over and over again the perspective stuff, and they just don't get it, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm on the spectrum or something when it comes to that. But, no, uh, I think it's just it's it's something <laughs> that you have an expertise in that is not 
like you have an understanding of it that is more advanced than a lot of people. So I and, yeah, I think I don't think it's you have to feel bad about it. It's just something you got to think about. And like uh, for instance, Ted Williams, mm-hmm. one of the best hitters in the history of baseball, terrible yeah. coach. And I'm not saying you're a terrible coach, but I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what you're saying. No, I'm Go not. Ahead. No, because the, because well, the, uh, I think you. I think I had to ask you a couple times to go over the perspective stuff because it wasn't quite clicking in my brain. But like the uh, yeah. Yeah. the uh, ellipses stuff. Yeah, I, I got that immediately, and I was like, "Oh, oh okay. okay. I see Good. how this stuff works. I see how you know." For the most part, I got most of it. Like I, I the more yeah. advanced stuff, I still have trouble with, but. Yeah, yeah. The the tick mark system, I people. That's a hard one for people to get. Um, I think I've shown you that. Yeah. Before. Yeah. 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 That one. There's a way to go, for any artist listening. There's a way to. Uh, if you ask me to show you in person, it's not going to matter because I'm horrible at teaching people apparently. But what you do is you kind of start in the middle of the panel and you draw a building, for example. And if you use two point three point perspective, it doesn't matter as long as you draw that correct. You can expand your perspective out mm-hmm. and save that building but lock in the rest of the city to what that building did there's a way to do that but you have to eyeball it very clearly for it to work if that first building you draw is wrong this won't work right Um, that's the best way i can do to describe it it won't make any sense unless you're actually seeing me work do it there's a video on youtube actually if you google me inking there's an old one that's like 12 years old where i kind of talk through this so good luck (laughs) yeah it's it's (laughs) it's it seems a little bit confusing but then you know, if once it clicks and you realize what you're going to like, oh, okay. So you're, you know, you draw the yeah. building, then you you determine the horizon line based on that building yeah. that you drew, and then you know measure things out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the the, the biggest uh, problem teaching people that is, they don't care about backgrounds. Yeah. In the way that I do, and that's okay. Um, the re- I can teach, teach people how to draw cars, but if they're not into cars, if they're not you know fans of it in some way, they don't have any warm feelings around vehicles. They're just not gonna want to do it very often, and that's fine. Um, like when people say, you know, when you have to draw an alleyway in Batman, most people will groan. But I enjoy the challenge a lot. I think this. I'm like that's that's a good day for me mm-hmm. if I can use a lot of blacks and shadows and draw the perspective. Like I'm I'm having a, a ball, but most people don't want to draw that. They would rather draw, you know, Batman somewhere else, I guess. Um, so if you're the interest in the subject isn't there, there's only so much teaching that I could do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but I think that uh, hey. understanding perspective allows you to enjoy it if you can get it to click. Like when I right. start, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, again. No. But when I started to use ellipses correctly and I, suddenly my car tires looked real, I was like, whoa, this is fun. And I started enjoying drawing the other parts of the cars. So I'm hoping that the math gauges interest in artists but if they're not interested they're not uninterested you know and you really can't teach anything yeah I, I think it's like anything it, it's not going to be fun if you don't if it's not clicking with you but once it clicks it it opens up a new door yeah um, i yeah. still i have a better understanding of that stuff than i did you know year uh, years ago but i still don't mm-hmm. particularly enjoy it uh yeah but yeah, that's okay it's all but, right <laughs> but but i know how to i know i have a better understanding of how to do it when i need to do it you know when you drew Redline, I remember you had a Moon Rover or truck or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I think you sent it to me, and I did I add a few tweaks to it just to make it. Did I do something to help at all? I forget. I can't remember. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you did, because I uh, that yeah, I had to draw an SUV kind of uh, yeah. military vehicle kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and I, I oh yes, you did. Yeah, because I I'm I don't 
I've never been like a car designer artist, so mm-hmm. I had to design this truck, and I was like, ugh, this doesn't look very good. And you're like, well, you know, you crunch this down, it'll look more aggressive, and you move the wheels a little <laughs> bit more. I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously now it looks great. <laughs> you designed it so it was uh, symmetrical from the side, so the front and the back looked the same. They each had like this downward slope yes, angle, yeah, I think. And yeah. I took the, the front, and I'm like, well, make this more of a right-angle grill move the front tires up to the front bumper that makes cars look more aggressive mm-hmm. and i think just those tweaks and i think you'd already drawn it a bit and you're like that's nice it's a little bit too late cause i already <laughs> ate this thing so thanks but no thanks yeah i had to draw uh, there was one angle uh, i know this is all riveting radio but uh, uh there was there was one angle i had to do this like three point downward shot of the car like taking a, a drastic turn and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this because I understand ellipses. Ellipses, I completely mm-hmm. fucking blew it. And I, I, <laughs> I think I drew it twice and it just never worked. So I just put some smoke in and I'm like, yeah, that'll have to, that'll have to work. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, smoke. Or uh, if, I have, if I'm drawing the front end of a motorcycle and I don't have an ellipse large enough, mm-hmm. I will draw debris uh, in front of the wheel in certain spots so oh, I can give myself yeah. a breaking point and shift my ellipse. So there's like a random rock in front of this wheel, but it allows me to break the line and move my ellipse a bit and then sort of fudge it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm actually really glad you said that because I have wondered that in the past. I'm like, I've got the big set of ellipses and I don't have one that's big enough for this. How does he do this shit? And I can't draw. I can't pull a line smooth enough to fake it. I don't know what he does to do this. Yeah. I'm amazed by people that freehand ellipses. I, uh, yeah. Mignola does that. A lot of artists do it. And Toth did it. You know, I got this, um, looking at old Zorro art, like Zorro's hat is like three ellipses. And it always looks so good. And even though the line is a little bit uh, buttery and jagged, it mm. just works, you know? Yeah. Whereas my ellipses are like NASA levels of clean <laughs> because I have all the tools. And I know, but because I ink everything else so loose and gross, it makes those clean lines. You don't even notice the clean lines. If right. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, pulling it back to Batman. Before <laughs> I don't think, is anybody listening right bore now? Bore everybody to death. <laughs> uh, well, to continue boring people, the thing I would draw actually was uh, my favorite My f- favorite action sequence in this was the one where we get to see where they build or at least house all of the gigantic uh, statues in Gotham City. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So I would probably yeah. want to draw that place. It's just full of giant. If Mike Mignola drew an a, a adaptation of this episode, most of it would take place yeah. in that room. I think there was one big statue because you first get out of the room, and you're like, "Whoa, they're in a very dramatic place." And the statue looks like the judge from a later episode. Yes, he does. Yes, becomes a third character. Mm-hmm. It looks like a mix between the judge and um, uh, fuck the Batman, the uh, Phantasm, that movie. Thank you. Yes, yeah. the Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a cool sequence. Uh, it's nice to see where they house all that stuff. So that's probably where I would, I would want to draw. I, I would I would draw I would draw um, Brandon Brandanowitz going through there taking stock of all the the statues because he probably has a yeah. hand in that too. Yeah, I was gonna say, does he own that or is he about to buy it? Yeah, he's looking into it to see whether or not it's worth it. It's, it's, it's potential. I like how you started to do his voice a little bit towards the end of your sentence. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to give this one a four. Uh, yep. You also a four? Yep, yeah, same. So I think that's going to do it for Double Talk. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with You Scratch My Back.
All right, you scratch my back. There's so many different ways you can say this, depending on what word you want to emphasize. Yeah, the way you said it was, you scratch my back. You scratch my back, <laughs> you scratch my back, you scratch my back, you scratch my back. Uh, written by Hillary J. Bader, directed by Butch Lukic. Lukic? Lukic? Sure. Mm-hmm. In an effort to further distance himself from Batman, Nightwing tries to go it alone and stop a smuggling ring and gets unexpected help from the seductive Catwoman who attempts a somewhat sensual relationship with him. This uh, <laughs> this has one of my favorite bits of trivia, which is that uh, I guess there is a comic story in Batman Gotham Adventures that explains why Catwoman's hair color changes. And oh. it's because she's a natural brunette who used to dye her hair blonde until she found out that her preferred brand of hair dye was tested on animals. So she permanently scarred the firm's owner and never dyed her hair again. Wow. Yeah. I kind of want to see that episode. Yeah, I am surprised they didn't do that. It's a kind of an interesting story. <laughs> needless needless backstory, but what the hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, the uh, her new um, look that's more like uh, Audrey Hepburn... Um, it's nice too. I think I do prefer the blonde, but I think it's just because I got used to the blonde. That's interesting. Um, yeah, because I, I, I've always found blonde Catwoman to be kind of jarring. Okay. Because I guess yeah. I've just never between. I mean, the only blonde Catwoman I can think of is Michelle Pfeiffer, and and the yeah. cartoon. Although all, all the other versions I've yeah. seen, I think she's a brunette. You're right. Honestly, I mean, black hair makes sense. Black cats. It, totally works the blonde doesn't make sense at all i get it but i think just because i'm so used to the first three seasons uh i definitely prefer her old costume with the gray yeah this black one is just too simple and her face is like a weird blue color i don't know why yeah it's it's an odd it's an odd choice i'm uh it seems almost like they wanted to go for the michelle pfeiffer thing but then they were like well if we put all these stitches on that's going to be a pain in the (laughs) ass to animate so we probably shouldn't do that it needed like one more element, yeah. one more design element. Like I, I like clean too, but come on, it's just I, I wouldn't even want this action figure because there's fucking nothing to look at. You know? Yeah, it's a, a a fully black costume. It's it's actually it's really fascinating to me when you think about how costumes, different costumes work in different medium media mm-hmm. because like I think a fully black Batman costume works great for live action. I don't think it mm-hmm. works very good in comics. Like, there right. was a period in the 90s where they had changed his comic costume to fully black during, like, no Man, the No Man's Land era. Yeah. And it just never sat right with me for some reason. I don't know if it was the coloring or what, or if it was just that, like, yeah. the people who were drawing it weren't taking advantage of what you could do with a fully black costume. I don't know. But, like, with yeah. Catwoman, I feel like her fully black costume works great in the comic. Mm-hmm. But in this, it doesn't. And I think... Part of the reason is in the comics, you can really get into most of the time she's depicted with like it's like some sort of shiny leather or something. Yeah. So you can get yeah. into a lot of like light sources and stuff. Or in, yeah. in this, it's just flat black. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, detail in the uh, comic book art isn't in the costume, it's in the rendering right. of the highlights. Right. It's the shadowing, it's the, the, the creases when she you know bends her leg or whatever it's the highlight around her chest whatever like that stuff is a lot to look at here because it's just flat there's nothing to look at right and uh yeah i feel like they approved this before they were it was still a little bit half baked <laughs> well it's it's an interesting comparison to nightwing actually because nightwing's car- costume is more or less exactly the same as catwoman's except it's got a big yeah. blue bird on it 
And but that's and that and the mask and his hair yeah. does add uh, more design elements. It's I think it holds your attention a lot better. Yeah, I think the. But yeah, let's get into his hair. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I I, co- I covered this briefly. I think I mentioned it, but uh, I, one of my favorite Nightwing bits of trivia, which I think at this point might have been uh, retconned out, is that um, mm-hmm. he's actually picks the name Nightwing as a reference to a legendary vigilante from Krypton, right. whose story Superman inspires nod. him. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, which I th- at the time I I think originally in concept is great because that's a huge fuck <clears> you to Batman. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. But I think since they've probably ironed that out, and it's just the name that he picks. But <laughs> yeah. so let's get this mullet stuff out of the way. Yeah, so please. We can talk about the rest of the episode. Lighten us about the mullet. So I went looking for interviews with Bruce Tim or Paul Dini. With you know, I mixed a Nightwing mullet, Paul Dini, and I, I could not find anyone ever asking them directly. Why did you give Nightwing a mullet? You found uh, you found a really interesting Halloween picture of one year from Paul Dini where he was dressed as Nightwing with a mullet, though, I bet. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so there's sort of, I think there's either two things that happened with this. One is they wanted to give him long hair, but they didn't want it to be like the crow where it was hanging down the side of his face because mm-hmm. you have to draw it swinging and moving and blah, blah, blah. blah. And it makes the character look really fast if his hair just kind of goes back. Mm-hmm. So I get wanting to do that. But if you do that without judging up the top part with something, I think that they were like, all right, well, let's give it a couple of zigzags at the top of his head. But that looks like his hair is now a mullet. And I don't know. I think in certain angles, the concept art for this probably looked pretty good. But when you had to see it in motion, it started to, re- it started to be clear like, oh, my God, this just looks like a mullet. But I don't know if they actually said in the board meeting, let's give him a mullet, or if they said, let's just give him long hair, but we'll make it like spiky on the top. Yeah, you know? yeah, because <laughs> the top part is is kind of like, uh, it's like a little bit of a triangle kind of um, pompadour yeah. kind of looks thing like, going on. Like Philip J. Fry has one too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he looks like Fry from Futurama. <laughs> um, but like in the comics at this point, I th- did. I, yeah. Did he also have long hair in the comics? So then this gets in the second part. Mm-hmm. I sent you a, a, a list, Clay. There's a CBR uh, article about mullets in the 80s and 90s and characters who had them. And I started to realize, too, that there are people... What is actually a mullet is different for each of us. So you, why don't you tell me, Clay, what do you think a mullet actually is? Uh, party in the front, business in the back. <laughs> but how short is the front... Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I I would say like the true mullet is like more of a buzz cut kind of top. Yes. If uh, I you want to see a true mullet, look up Shawn Michaels from uh, WrestleMania ten. Then you've got a, <laughs> a true mullet. It, I think I agree. The top part has to be no more than two inches long. It has to be maybe even an inch long. And then the back has to be very clearly much longer and often cut to a clean line that's like touching the shoulders or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is a mullet. But if you let that haircut grow out and now the top of your hair is eight, five inches long and then the back is now 12 inches long, is that still a mullet? Ooh. I don't because know. you remember the Death of Superman era? Just because we all remember that, that, that moment. Back when we had the Death of Superman, he had that kind of haircut where it was sort of long. It was long all around, 
but it seems slightly longer in the back than it was in the top. But the top was still long enough where you could have his spit girl coming down to yeah, his nose. I I know a lot of people. Is that a mullet? A lot of people refer to that as mullet Superman, but I I've never I've always just thought of yeah. it as long hair. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a lot of the are uh, in this article. A lot of their examples I don't think are mullets. I just think it's long hair. That's when artists render it. Uh, you kind of want to draw some short parts of the hair that come right by the eye. Because that was just a thing in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, you're saying the top part of the hair is only four inches long. And the rest of it is so flowy. Well, now it looks like a mullet because of the way the artist rendered it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Long hair doesn't have um, to be universal. There's layering involved, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to all be the same length. Yeah. So did uh, this surprise me, too. I never thought of this character having a mullet. But Bishop from the X-Men, yes. according to this article, had a mullet. I would say, yes, that Bishop had a mullet, yes. <laughs> Because that's very that's a very like flat top on the top with like just flowing out of the back. So I would I would call I, that a mullet. Yes, I didn't think it was a buzz flat top. I thought it was just combed back and sort of matted, and then the rest of it was like jerry curls in the back. Right? I I think it still counts. I think if it's presented okay. if it's presented that short. Um, I'm looking up I'm looking up Bishop right now. I'm keep talking. <laughs> I <laughs> think if it's this. presented that short, you know, and and formed into that shape with the, the the long stuff coming out of the back, I think that counts. So I'm gonna go with Jim Lee here. Jim, how did you draw Bishop? Hmm. I don't think he drew Bishop that much. I think it was mostly uh uh Wills, I think, wasn't it? No, uh when they redid the X Men with uh um Claremont, I know that Bishop was in it. A lot of these covers, like X Men number four, is Gambit versus Bishop. Sorry, X Men number eight. Oh, uh, okay. I was because. Oh no, he gave uh, Bishop some uh, spit curls, which to me says, yeah, I think you're right. Technically, that's a mullet. Fuck. <laughs> now in the cartoon, uh, it's definitely a mullet because there are two little spit curls that are like halfway down his forehead. Yeah, that's certainly a mullet. Okay. All right, yeah. you're right. I'm wrong, everybody. <laughs> it's definitely a mullet. <laughs> but it looks good when Jim draws it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking at that cover now. Yeah, I mean, that works for me. <laughs> I mean, if he's got... Yeah. I guess it depends, because if it's like... Uh, we got to see the back. I mean, if it's if it's if if he's got the back in like a top ponytail, you know, like a yeah. small ponytail in the back, then I, I don't think yeah. it's a mullet. Um, right. But if, yeah, if I it's just like a short I, top, yeah. I, uh... I propose that what we were looking at is actually a third type of haircut. It's called like <laughs> superhero long hair from the 90s or something else. But if you think about like Shatterstar and some of these Rob Liefeld characters, they had hair that was four feet long in a top knot, but there was always a few bits in the front that hung down right over the eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to, so it's like, it looks, it is probably a mullet if you had it in real life, but in, when you draw it with comics, it's not a mullet. It just has short bits, which make it look more extreme. Yeah. I'm going to send cool. you a picture right now of uh, Colin Farrell from the Miami Vice movie. Okay. And uh, <laughs> like, <coughs> this is not a mullet. This is just long hair that comes out on the bottom and then he just like greases right. the top back. But I can see yeah. why people would say it's a mullet. If you drew that in a comic, it might look like a mullet because yes. the way you'd have to render that and i'd say the same with like and MacGyver i would also like to say 80s. i would love to draw this in a comic if anybody has the rights to buy me vice <laughs> and wants to so do you is kurt russell's hair a mullet i don't care it's 
it's uh it's inflappable whatever it is it's uh yeah actually it flaps very nicely depending on the breeze but <laughs> anyway that's fr- that's enough hair I talk a- i think we should probably talk about the episode <laughs> okay fine yeah um but oh i will add i will add one last thing there mm-hmm. was an interview i uncovered that had the voice actor who played uh robin and nightwing mm-hmm. and he said in an interview that i love the character i don't know why they gave him a mullet yeah so at least he acknowledges that it is a mullet. Yeah, i I think it's I think for the sake of argument, we have to come down on mullet for for the cartoon. But did they do it as a nod? Because there are renderings of Nightwing from the late '80s where it is a mullet. Uh, it is, there's no way around it. It's just a fucking mullet. And yeah. did they do this as a way to nod to that? Did they not know that mullets weren't cool? I mean, well, if they wanted <laughs> to hard. nod to the comic, they should have given them the disco '70s collar. Yeah, honestly, that held up over time better than mullets. <laughs> I always <laughs> at found, least disco like goes for it, you know. I always found that design really funny because he's got this big flashy collar, but he's still got that like really <laughs> nerdy hair hair design that everybody knew drew in the in the seventies for people with like for for men with not short short hair but like normal length hair, like kind of parted he- to one side kind of thing. Was it He Man hair? No, it was just it was the normal kind of like slightly long hair, the way that they did it on everybody except Peter Parker. Oh but, right, yeah, everyone had that. Yeah. Tony Stark had it. Yes, yeah. You know, if you had if you had black if you had black hair, it they always drew it the same way. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind doing a comic about uh, Nightwing in the seventies and doing disco because I really enjoy the seventies for some reason. Hey, I uh, I'm gonna you know how I feel about collars. I'm gonna give it to you, give you a challenge right now. Work that into volume three of of, of White Knight. It, it doesn't have to be him at a disco, but I think you can figure out a reason to have like relaxed fit Nightwing with his shirt yeah. shirt open and the collar just like flowing in the, oh, flowing okay. in the wind. So I was going to just do, do to take the cheap way out and basically have him go through his lair and you just see a bunch of his old costumes in the back. And one of them is the 70s disco. But you want him actually wearing it. Yeah, I. it doesn't. Yeah, I don't they, they put it in the background. Anybody can do that. Find a way to work it into the story. It's a cop out. These, these are my these are my important contributions to volume three. Thanks. Show his butt um, a lot. Everybody likes his butt for some reason. Yeah, I guess guess that started with uh uh I forget the name of the writer. Female writer, of course. Uh but yeah, anyway. Um so one thing uh that I loved about this episode, well I loved a lot of it actually. Although some of the dialogue was really cringy, like when she, Catwoman is talking to Batman and she is, they're going back and forth about Robin, the boy wonder, and she goes, "Well, now he's a man wonder." Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That <clears throat> gave me atomic diarrhea. That was so bad. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a weird a weird scene because they are yeah they they really dialed up the sexiness on Catwoman for this episode, and I don't know if that yeah. I don't know if that is how she is for the rest of the series or if it's just this one because she's kind of trying to seduce him a little bit into helping her. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that scene was really interesting where she's <laughs> she's getting weird and sexy about Nightwing. Like, while he's still there, she's doing this to Batman. And Batman yeah. is just angry about it. Yeah. When do you think Batman and Robin uh, and Nightwing started to put their plan together? Um. I would assume before he gets, he goes to her place. Okay. Because I think uh, making it look like they were dumping the tail um, of Batman and Batgirl, I think is part of the plan. When he says to uh, Catwoman, stay away from Nightwing, that's 
obviously the plan is an action, right? I think so, yeah. Like that was meant to push her more towards, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that cringy dialogue aside, I did like that you kind of, because they haven't really talked about what happened yet. So mm-hmm. there's this tension between the characters and they're, they're teasing it, which I like. And even though they are uh, edgy towards each other, they still manage to overcome it and work together in the end. So even though they're far apart, they're not that far apart. Right. Yeah, it's um, this is an interesting kind of weird episode to introduce Nightwing with uh-huh. because yeah. I feel like I almost feel like that history of what happened between them story could have been if you had stretched this into two parts i think you could have put that story into this one because Mm -hmm. because of the way that it ends because they start off kind of brisk with each other and at the end it's like oh they're working together because they're not really that far apart like since since there's no real um uh, understanding of the threshold of what happened, I think it mm-hmm. lends itself to uh, uh, fleshing it out and then having that reconciliation sort of be the the end of the story. But mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if you really need to know that stuff in this episode because they play it so well that they are they are mm-hmm. clearly there's something going on. He's clearly left. There is a mm-hmm. bit of a rift between them. But like you said, it's not they're not that far apart. I think it's just that they yeah. don't really that stuff is in there, but they don't really do anything with it is is the mm-hmm. the problem with it for me. Yeah. I mean I think they're still planting seeds for the payoff right. episode where you get to old wounds or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um Yeah. I it's I I always find the introductions of stuff like this in these shows is on this show specifically is so weird because like we even talked about it when in, when we started the last series, Robin just shows up. He's just there. Like there's no the first Robin episode is just like the second or third episode of Batman the animated series, yeah. and they never talk about right. it until later. Um, yeah. And here he's just shows up again I, do they even refer to him as dick like the, the, you could if you um, were a kid watching this you might not even realize it's dick grayson yeah uh, does she call him dick when she visits him in his uh sweet japanese uh apartment yeah <laughs> he's, he's definitely going through that phase he's probably like 22 <laughs> he's watching a lot of gundam wing at this point <laughs> the dragon door is amazing yeah of course you gotta have the katana uh, sword uh, collection on the, the side mm-hmm. um, and I love his uh, escape uh, tunnel or whatever with the motorcycle I think that stuff's really cool I will say in the early days of eBay I spent most of my time on eBay looking at katana sets that I could buy because <laughs> it was like the perfect time for that where I was like yeah man that yeah. Would be so I would love to have that but, so did that start with the Highlander for you oh totally <laughs> I mean, it was a combination of Highlander and Ninja Turtles, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I was going to also throw in uh, Snake Eyes for me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Between the Ninja Turtles and the G.I. Joe had a Ninja Force, whatever, where they had like six ninjas, mm-hmm. uh, including Snake Eyes, mm-hmm. which I loved, Storm Shadow, of course, and then Highlander. It just seemed like Highlander was the na- the third was the nail in the coffin for me. Like, all right, yeah, that's the sweetest sword ever, <laughs> <Yeah>. period. <laughs> Yeah, I spent most of most of my early days on eBay looking at Highlander ripoff swords, being like, "That's such a ripoff! I would never buy that. That's such a piece." So, of So, um, my uh, man or art dealer and friend uh, Jeff uh, 
has a katana and uh, I don't know if it's real or not, but I don't think it is because he said if you want to get a real one, it's going to cost like a ton of money mm-hmm. and uh, you have to get it made in Japan. And I don't even think they're allowed to sell it to outsiders. There's some, I don't know if that's just what nerds tell each other to make their katanas Did he, more valuable. Or he whatever. might have just been watching Kill Bill like <laughs> half asleep. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, God, I love that movie. But um, my friend, uh, I had another friend who came from a lot of money, and he had a real katana sword, and it even came with different sharpening stones. Oh, no And there's actually a series of different rocks that you're supposed to use, and there's a whole ritual that goes with it. But the finest stones, like the, the very end of the process, you grab these stones that are like the size of fingernails, and they're really, you just like, use just your index finger and your thumb you'll be really careful and then you polish the blade just with those two little rocks or whatever mm-hmm. um it seemed really cool i mean you never i don't he had more money than he knew what to do with it just put it that way <laughs> <laughs> it was super cool but yeah I, he was the only person i've ever seen with a quote-unquote real samurai sword i think i think a friend of mine might have one it doesn't sound like it's that intense but he definitely has one that yeah. is more than just one you would buy off of eBay because I think I don't remember if he went to Japan or something, but he he brought it with yeah. him to to college. Like he had it in his dorm room, and he was showing it to me. And yeah. I'm like, this thing is like you could feel the difference. Like the, it was just a yeah. solidly made actual, yeah. you know, weapon. Yeah, yeah, balanced at the hilt. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a I love the way watching the way those things are made because there's two different types of metal in there, and one metal at the back of the blade it. uh shrinks faster so when they quench it in the water at the end the curve pops out mm-hmm. like it's flat when it goes in and it comes out curved and that's when you like the 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 essence of the sword reveals itself or whatever like the sword maker had a whole religion about it mm. i'm not gonna argue with him he fucking knows what he's doing but uh, <laughs> yeah it was really cool to see like the quenching process at the end yeah i remember in high school i did like a whole paper on on uh the the sword making process <laughs> That might be one of the nerdiest things that I've ever heard. Hey, about you know, you. <laughs> when you're in high school, you got to find things you're interested in to write at length about. So, <laughs> did you ever get uh, art assignments and you would do your best to try to fit in? How do I justify drawing a superhero? No, I um, I actually hated doing art based stuff at <laughs> school because anytime there was like a group project. It was always like, yeah. so Clay will make the poster. And I'm like, no, I don't want to make the fucking poster. I did in yeah. fourth grade. In fourth grade, I do remember we, we did a uh, project that involved magnets. And I was like, I'll draw the poster. And I drew like a two, like a five foot drawing of Magneto. And that was our poster. It was like this explanation of magnets, but I'm also going to draw Magneto. So, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, uh, the, the thing I found so interesting is that they, 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 um, they cracked the code by blending metals. So it's like mm. certain metals were too soft and other metals were too hard, but blending them together and like folding them thousands of times is what yeah. makes the, the, the strength of the sword. This is real. I don't know how we ended up talking about this, but. No, because we both love katanas. Yeah. And we <laughs> want to hang out at Nightwing's also, house. There, <laughs> this is why I always thought Nightwing was half Asian or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched this episode, these episodes more than I did uh, the other Robin ones for some reason. But I just got it into my head that, I don't know, like his spiky black hair, it just seems like he was half Asian for some reason. Yeah, he does kind of feel like they're kind of presenting him that way, actually. Yeah, now that you say that. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I didn't read a lot of the old comics, so it might be crystal clear to real real fans that he's just a white guy. Yeah, but, I'm pretty. Uh, yeah, to me, I'm pretty sure Richard Grayson <laughs> is uh, is about as waspy <laughs> as you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Oh man, um, but yeah, I love it. If I had to draw a sequence, I might draw him like <laughs> getting into his gear. And getting on his motorcycle, I'd probably redesign the bike a little bit. I was going to ask then just you, going through a sequence. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you like that bike because I, I I actually like the bike. It kind of reminded me of the Tron bikes a little bit. Yeah, the bike is really well done. They they, they nailed the ellipses on the wheels, mm-hmm. and then we get back into perspective. Mm-hmm. But they they've always had a really clean way of handling car wheels, and uh, in this this ep- these uh this season, and I think that the. Except for the Batmobile itself, I think most of the other vehicles are really well done. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty good looking, yeah. But yeah, the way the bike leans, the, the it feels very light, it fits him very well, like it's just designed, it's clean, you know, it's just, it all works. I I thought his uh, his exit from his, his place was really interesting, because it's like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta make sure you are focused when you leave that building, because it shoots you out immediately onto like <laughs> the curve of a, of a wall. So you have to make yeah. sure you hit that shit perfect every time. Otherwise, you come out yeah. of your house and just explode. Right. The old dried up riverbed escape. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if like having car demolition is as easy as in dried up riverbeds as movies led us to believe. Um, in what sense? Like putting a bunch of cars well, down like there in, and smashing yeah, T2 and, oh, and sure, Fast sure. and Furious. A lot of the movies, like cars seem to end up having car chases in dried up riverbeds in a city. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this concrete... Uh, highway that's sort of curved at the edges and it's perfect for destruction and i don't know how easy it actually is to get a car out there yeah i have no idea i yeah because they do it in greece they have that big uh, uh car chase yeah uh, car race in the the right. thing there in greece yeah i don't know maybe yeah. I, it, it might be just a convention for movies or it might be that easy to put a car down there i don't know anyone who yeah. lives in la let us know yeah, like if you, I'll bet you, I mean, at least in T2, uh, they were able to get to it by shooting this, uh, uh, he shoots the uh, lock on a gate. Right, and yeah. Pows through it on his motorcycle yeah. and then jumps down, which is a fucking amazing scene, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, when he jumps down and then they slow motion the truck driving off behind him, that yeah. doesn't get much better than that. That Yeah, when I watch T2, I start with... Uh, the beginning of that scene. I'll, I'll just watch that scene. I think that is one of the most amazing sequences. And at the t- when that scene begins, you're not supposed to know which one's the evil robot right, at this point. Right. You know, and the fact that one is dressed to be good and isn't. Oh my god, yeah. my 12 year old brain like exploded. <laughs> yeah, we could probably do it. Um, we could do multiple shows talking about Terminator Two if we wanted to. I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you and Wes ever do that, let me get in on that because. Uh, that was the movie that made me want to try writing. Oh, sure. Um, because I said, you know, I don't think this is the best written movie ever, but I think it's so solid, and if the action is strong enough, that I can do this. Like, I'm not going to write Hamlet or mm-hmm. Shakespeare or Amadeus, but I think if I studied hard enough, I could at least write T2. Yeah. Throw in some cool ideas, some interesting dialogue, some cool action scenes. I think... To make a comic book like that is something that I can be capable of. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I'm not trying to be Garth Ennis. I just need to be able to do T2. It's, that's kind of when I started wanting to write. Yeah, I mean, it's not a not a bad bar to, to shoot for. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk Oh, what, what would you draw on this one? You know, I was conflicted on this one because 
uh, there's a scene where they get into a fight where Batgirl throws out those smoke pellets and they start like uh-huh. fighting in the smoke. And I, I first wrote down, I would draw the smoke fight. And then I was like, ah, that's so that's such a cop out though. Cause it's like, oh yeah, smoke. Sure. I don't have to draw anything yeah. difficult. But then two scenes later, <laughs> there's that boats, boat chase scene. And I was like, that uh-huh. would be fun drawing. Yeah, uh, Nightwing chasing down Catwoman, and them they're kind of tussling on a boat while the speedboats go. Yeah. That would be pretty fun because I, yeah. I, I was thinking that would be really fun, and I don't know how I would do it. And so I think that would be one that would really kind of push me and challenge me yeah. to figure out something interesting. That's a good answer, man. I uh, my other answer was another water related one. Uh, Nightwing and Catwoman fall through the uh, roof and go into a pool, mm-hmm. and they're hiding from gunfire under diving board, which is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where else you would go. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I always enjoyed that sequence. Yeah, yeah, dr- doing uh, uh, bullets going through water while the character's underwater, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That that bit in there too. But uh, but yeah, overall, yeah. I think this is. Uh, I don't know how much we actually talked about the episode, but it's it's pretty good. It's uh, I would I would give it a solid three. I think it's it's um, the the relationship stuff is pretty interesting, and I, I really like that scene with with Dick and Barbara at his house. Hmm. Um, the story itself is, is not that remarkable, but, uh, I think it, I think it does what it does Mm -hmm. pretty well. Yeah. You know, her plan seemed a little bit, so her, she, she wanted to steal this green diamond, the cat diamond or whatever. And instead of doing it herself, she somehow got a hold of it in South America, stuffed it in this illegal, uh, uh, artifacts. And, uh, so it got it to into this this country by hiding it basically but then she had to track the artifacts down mm-hmm. deal with the mob the you know south american gangsters mm-hmm. or whatever i'm like if you had your hand on that thing in south america why not just put it in your pocket and bring it with you right you know yeah there, there has to be an easier way to get it into the country yeah, yeah. yeah. but at this point in the story it's like whatever it's a kid show sure yeah <laughs> uh yeah but yeah i think a three out of five is fine i think the animation was amazing but uh yeah, yeah, it I looks three out of five. It looks really good. It's it's um <clears throat> for this show, I feel like they've been leaning a lot more on just kind of like showcase animation yeah. stuff and action sequences than they have like their stories really. And yeah. uh I think this is a good balance of both where um the the animation looks great, the the character mm-hmm. designs look good for the most part. Um the interactions are good and uh right. yeah i think it's just a, a solid episode you know though I, I gotta say uh when uh babs is talking to him in his apartment and she sees him get dressed as nightwing this is the first time where we acknowledge that they one of them knows who the other one is at least they also kind of acknowledge that they were in some sort of relationship because when he leaves he's like you know how to lock up which implies that she has been there a lot Oh, I totally missed that. But yeah, I just thought she was good with closing doors. Well, maybe that too. I don't know. <laughs> no. How did I think of my my spinner comment for the previous episode? Would totally miss this. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, you know, my my actually uh, before we round out, I just wanted to mention my favorite my favorite sh- scene in this episode is at the beginning when they're fighting on the docks and that one guy's mm-hmm. running away. And Batman's just leaning against the boxes. Yeah, just that was a good moment. Very passive aggressively, is like he's all yours. It, it's yeah. I I think it's extremely out of character for Batman to do yeah. that, but I did think it was fun. 
Yeah, I I love that scene. Even as a kid, I thought that was great. And I don't know what it what it's doing is it's saying Batman could totally have taken you down, but he's choosing not to. He's kind of fucking with you a little bit, right? And uh, letting Nightwing know that he's he was ahead of him. You know, right, right, yeah. And also, and also, just you know, oh, Nightwing doesn't want me to interfere, so I'm not going to interfere at all. You know, right. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's good, good, good character work. I think. Yeah. Oh, and the one silly shot was. Uh, after Batman leaves, Nightwing and Catwoman are going to go do stuff, but he grabs her whip, he looks at the bottom of it, and he takes off the tracer mm-hmm. that Batman put there. I like that moment because he knew what Batman's MO would be. Right. So they put it on her cat, and the cat goes away. But you're looking down, he's looking down at Batman and Batgirl in the car, mm-hmm. just sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> I, did, I did think that was really funny because I'm assuming that Batman and Batgirl didn't just park outside of Catwoman's place, so they had to go to wherever Batman was. And so, they literally did. They parked out of a place with the hood forward. So right. they're just sitting there in an well, alleyway with nothing to talk about. I, I was going to say, assuming they didn't park at her place, and so then they had to go and find them. If, oh, Batgirl, okay. if Batgirl's looking at the tracer, she should be like, it says they're right above us. <laughs> That's what makes me think that they're parked literally right outside. Yeah, the they place. have to be. I, 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 or, or I, or I would, I'd like to think Batgirl called it out and Batman was just like, uh, pretend like we don't know. Just look straight ahead and don't say anything, yeah. and maybe they'll go away. Yeah, I mean, this is at this point the plan's already in motion. Right. So they both right. knew that yeah. this was her taking the cape, whatever, taking the bait. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, pretty good. Not uh, pretty good episode. I uh, I yeah. think one of the better ones. I think these two have both been. Well, the last three have all been pretty good. This one, Double Talk, and uh, uh, Never Fear, I think, have been really solid. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know this this series, the season is is really good but it just misses the human emotional element in some way it's just like you said it goes more for action set pieces than it does for character moments um so as much as these great as great as these are they just kind of come up short with me in a lot of ways it's hard to put my finger on yeah 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 i'm interested to see how things if if they change at all or if they if they stay in that kind of uh colder sort of uh approach yeah yeah wait till we get to the dumb ones like uh critters and uh <laughs> what else is there yeah there's i mean with even if when the action itself starts to suck and the uh the set pieces get really bizarre then the episodes really fall apart interesting okay looking forward to those <laughs> yeah we've got a uh, uh the the killer croc baby doll ones coming up pretty soon so that'll be a fun one. Oh man i'm gonna do my best not to make spinner jokes okay that would probably be best for for all of us for our ratings purposes yeah, yeah. uh but i think that's gonna do it for you scratch my back and double talk Thank you guys for for listening. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Sean. Yep, thanks for having me here, man. Yeah, well, next time we'll be back with Joker's Millions and Growing Pains. See you guys. (laughs) Let's make the dying throw!